dun, dun, dun. <laughs> it, we are going to spoil the shit out of WandaVision. So if you haven't finished it yet. What are you doing? First of all, but second of all, proceed with caution. Hello, everyone, and welcome back to another episode of Buckeye Dads Discuss. I'm Josh. And I'm April. We are mixing it up again. April is back. Welcome again to the show, April. Thanks for having me. Um, Yeah, you are here uh, by necessity since uh, Andy's not particularly going to be into the topic that we're going to discuss. WandaVision just finished up and we're going to talk about it. Can't wait. Uh, So for anybody who's been living under a rock for the past couple months, WandaVision is a, a show based on the two titular Marvel characters, uh, Wanda Maximoff and Vision. Uh, it's you know, set in the Marvel Cinematic Universe. Uh, it's on Disney+. Plus. I'm going to read a quick recap of what the series is about. Uh, WandaVision blends the style of classic sitcoms with the MCU in which Wanda Maximoff and Vision, two super-powered beings living their ideal suburban lives, begin to su- suspect that everything is not as it seems. Uh, this show uh, stars Elizabeth Olsen as Wanda, Paul Bettany as Vision. Again, the same actors playing the same characters from the movies. Catherine uh, Hahn plays Agnes, uh, who we come to learn is Agatha Harkness. Uh, Monica Rambeau is played by Tanya Paris. Uh, Jimmy Woo repri- reprises his role as an FBI agent, Randall Park. Uh, Director Hayward is Josh Stamberg. And Darcy uh, from the Thor movies is played by Kat Dennings. So, April, how about you walk us through a quick recap of the episodes, and then we're going to dive into it. Okay. Um, I think the best way to talk about WandaVision is episodically. That was the way it was released week to week. And I definitely think that was Marvel's intention to get it to be the buzz for everyone talking about it. And it definitely accomplished that. So I think it's all anyone could talk about that has anything to do with MCU as of late. We can just get into a few recaps of all of these episodes. So there's nine episodes in total. They range from like 30 to 50 minutes a piece. There's quite a few minutes of credits. So however you want to really tally how long the actual episode is, that's up to you. But it takes place three weeks after the blip in Endgame where everyone comes back. In episode one... They do a knockoff of the Dick Van Dyke show where Vision and Wanda meet Vision's boss and his wife for dinner at their house. And they're just really introduced as like this wholesome couple in the 50s. It's in black and white. Um, I did read a cool like side note that for them to get the color correct for Vision that they had to actually paint him blue during the black and white episodes for it to look correctly instead of purple, Hmm. which is kind of odd. But, and then we transition into episode two, which episode one and two were released back to back. So we did get those both together. It's a knockoff of Bewitched, which is one of my favorites. For So they're in the 60s now. She ends up um, hearing a helicopter from outside, goes outside, and a little toy helicopter ends up being in her bushes, which is the first thing in the show that we ever see in color. It is the color of Iron Man, and it's kind of just a little Easter egg for everybody. And then we see a beekeeper come up out of uh, the sewer, Mm -hmm. out in the street. And that's the first time we kind of see Wanda say no, that she doesn't want that to happen. And the time kind of reverses and he goes away. At the very end of the episode, Wanda becomes pregnant to her surprise and visions. 
and then we transition into episode three, which is the first episode we have in color. It is a knockoff of the Brady Bunch. Um, Wanda ends up giving birth to her two twin sons, Billy and Tommy. And um, Monica Rambeau is the first time she shows up here. And she tries to help Wanda into realizing what is going on and trying to get her to help end the hex. Monica um, ends up bringing up Ultron and Pietro. And Wanda ends up throwing her out of the hex because of that at the end of the episode. Which is the first time we then see anything that's going on outside of the hex and that there are agents and everything coming to see if Monica's okay so we know that they are aware of what's going on. All right, I'm going to stop it here for a second. So this is, I would say, the first phase of the show, episodes one, two, and three. Yes, I would agree. And they are, I would say, pretty different tonally from what comes the rest of the show. Yes, I would agree with that. These are very, like, this is a 50s or 60s sitcom, and it stays in that format, and there's no really breaking until, like, the end of the third episode. Um, and so, you know, a lot of people might be thrown off. I was a little thrown off at the beginning. Um, and again, just to kind of reset the stage, like, WandaVision was not something I was super excited for. You know, these are pretty, you know, ancillary characters in the cinematic film universe. Um, obviously it's still important, but I feel like the pandemic and the, the complete, you know, restructuring of Marvel's content. Right. We didn't schedule. get anything Marvel for so long that uh, I think by the time we got this, everyone was like drooling over it. So we'll talk about this once we're done recapping. Um, I do wonder if the show got uh, a lot of pandemic assisted love from just being the first Marvel thing that we had in a very long time. But these first couple episodes feel different than what comes in the last uh five Yes, or six I would episodes. definitely say it's very gradual from there increases into more of like an MCU and a universe as opposed to like the sitcom. Alright, so moving on to episode four. Okay, so episode four we go into is kind of like a knockoff of growing pains and step by step, which is like the older shows I definitely watched on like Nick at Night. Did you ever watch any of those? No, I wasn't that cool. Wow. Okay. Anyway so we get the like we get the sword intro, which is officially like what all the agents and everything are working for. We get Monica Rambo's backstory at the very beginning, which is the very first time we actually see the blip happening with people coming back in any place that's not the fight with Thanos. So that was kind of cool to see. Um, and she's very confused because she thought her mom was in the hospital and sick, ends up finding her mother died. We get a little snippet of like that things aren't great between her and Captain Marvel. And then um, we get kind of introduced to uh, some of the sword members, like Director Haywood and Jimmy Woo again, and then get and then Darcy ends up showing up to help to find out what's going on. And then that episode is kind of just all kind of wrapped up into things going on outside of the hex. I would say for the first mm -hmm. time, we really got dosed into all of that. And then episode five, we go back into the hex, and that's a uh, full house and family ties because full house is where it's at. The twins are a lot more grown up, but you would say, what, they're like seven or eight, probably. Mm -hmm. um, they end up finding a dog that they want to keep. The dog ends up dying before the episode is over. Um, and then the quick cameo at the end that we get is Evan Peters at Wanda's door as Quicksilver. And if anyone that's seen any of the X-Men um, movies, we know that in those movies he played Quicksilver. 
So we're kind of left on a cliffhanger for that one. We really don't know why he's there, who he's really is, or anything like that. So we transition into episode six, which is, I think, my favorite episode because it's the Halloween episode. Mm -hmm. Um, We get Wanda envisioned in their actual costumes from the comics, which is pretty cool. Um, It's the very first episode that doesn't have a laugh track, which was very noticeable to to me when I was watching it, surprisingly, just because I think you got so, like, used to the normal comedy thing Mm -hmm. that it really stood out. And it's a knockoff of Malcolm in the Middle, which I never really watched, but got the idea, like, of from other people. Wanda extends the Hex to end up saving Vision because he is trying to leave the Hex to see if he can go find other people to help whatever's going on inside of it. And to save him, she ends up um, sending the Hex even farther, which then includes a lot of sword agents and Darcy into the Hex. And then we transition into episode 7, which is a modern family knockoff, which I think is the best knockoff they did. Like, she did it really, really well. And I think maybe just because Modern Family is the most recent that it was really obvious, but I thought they did it really well. I would agree with that. Yeah. Vision tries to get back to Wanda, but she keeps blocking his path, which is kind of like funny sitcom different ways, so he can't get back to her. Um, Darcy and Vision end up teaming up to try to get back to her until he ends up flying away to try to get there faster. Monica meets up with other sword agents to try to find a way to get into the hex by using a new vehicle that they created. Surprise, it doesn't work. So she ends up exiting the vehicle and just tries to go into the hex on her own. She therefore becomes a new superhero all to herself, which we're assuming is Photon. I believe that's correct. I would guess. And then um, in the hex, it seems like Wanda's having a rough time. So Agatha offers to babysit the twins. Agatha, which we haven't kind of mentioned mentioned yet in these, she's just been the nosy neighbor up till now, kind of helping out Wanda envision anything from here to there. So she offers to babysit, and then when Wanda actually goes back to pick her kids up, she notices that they're not really anywhere in the house, and some things look off to her. So she ends up going to look for them, and Agatha mentions they might be playing in the basement. So Wanda goes into the basement, which ends up being full of just hundreds of difference of magical items and things and she seems very confused and we kind of learned that a lot of things in the hex were happening because of agatha so is that when we get the song yes okay agatha all along i believe uh and we get the the drop for that at the very end of the episode yes so that's pretty (laughs) that's pretty funny in my opinion if you want to check that out please check that out uh, episode 8 then, we get Agatha's backstory, which starts us all the way back at the Salem Witch Trials. She is pleading for her life and for help, and none of the witches that are around her go to actually help her. They end up trying to, I don't know if they're trying to burn her at the stake or what they're trying to do exactly, but she ends up destroying all of them. And then we also get the backstory for Wanda. We see her as a kid, and the first time we ever see her parents in the MCU, Um, We learned that she had powers all along. She was the one that actually stopped the bomb from exploding from her and Pietro when her house exploded with her parents in it. We get some moments with her and Vision as to like how their relationship evolved and when she was taken from Hydra, taken by Hydra and her powers became more unlocked from the Mind Stone. And it kind of just shows us all of the trauma and grief she's gone through in her life, which was a lot. And then we transition into this last episode, which is episode 9. Wanda and Agatha end up fighting for, I would say, most of the episode. So it starts just like in the 
in the street, and they're just, uh, she, Agatha is explaining to Wanda that she's the Scarlet Witch, which is super rare, and she has all this power, and Agatha wants to know how she uses it, and wants her to give it to her, and all of these things, and then we also get um, introduced to White Vision was a extra credits extra credit, <laughs> um, was an extra scene that we got out of episode eight, and he comes back, and him and regular Vision end up fighting as well. Um, and then Vision gives White Vision all of his memories. So that kind of makes him empathetic. And what else would you say? Like, just kind of makes him more of like an actual person in quotations. Yeah, so White Vision has, you know, is constructed out of original Vision's body. But right. he does not have access to his emotions and memories right. from before. And then Hex Vision gives them to him, unlocks them via, you know, the, something. Via, you know, his powers uh, and whatnot. And that kind of awakens White Vision. And he realizes that, uh, you know, he is not just a programmed, uh, you know, killing machine for Sword, that he is, you know, his own. He's now setting it, uh, he is aware. He's his own individual synthesoid, uh, and he kind of flies off to presumably do his own thing in future Marvel adventures to be named. Yeah, and then Wanda um, ends up becoming the actual Scarlet, which was a pretty cool like transformation when she's fighting Agatha. Um, it kind of seems like she becomes that by finally just let going and unlocking all of her grief that she's been, you know, dealing with throughout her life. Ends up defeating Agatha. Um, she realizes that she needs to pull the hex down because a lot of the townsfolk are like asking her to and telling her that they're scared and haven't seen their family and all that kind of stuff. So she makes the big sacrifice to give up her kids and vision and brings down the hex gradually, which allows her to say goodbye to all of them, which is a very like touching scene, I thought. And during this, Hayward tries to sneak into the hex to like take her down which ends up not really happening, and Darcy kind of, like, blocks him, and he ends up going to jail at the end. And then as this all kind of wraps up, it just kind of puts Wanda right back where she started. The hex is gone, and she doesn't have kids, doesn't have vision, and she's just kind of, you know, trying going to try and learn what she can do with her powers now. Because I think Agatha kind of telling her that you have magic, and it's not just this random you know, Mindstone power. She wants to figure out how to actually use that. So we do get two end credit scenes. The first one being a very big knockoff of, um, oh, I'm sorry. The first one is Monica Rambeau. She gets pulled aside by um, a sword agent, which they walk into a different building. We find out the sword agent, agent is a scroll and says that they, someone wants to talk to her, which we're going to assume is Talos. Maybe. We think. And then going to probably set up Captain Marvel 2. And then the last end credit scene we get is a knockoff of a strange movie when he is sleeping, but he's astral projecting to actually be reading and all this other stuff. It's kind of, I think, a combination of both of those things. She's like um, astral projecting to learn as much as she can possibly about magic while she's actually just like walking around sipping coffee or whatever. So I think... She's really going to be the full-blown Scarlet Witch when we see her again and whatever that's going to be. Yeah, so we Agatha tells her, as the series is concluding, that you have power, but you don't have knowledge. And Agatha is shown to have the Darkhold, which is a book of magic, 
um, that Agatha uses and that Scarlet Witch takes over. Um, and that and that is what we see in that last credit scene where, uh, yes. where she's going about her day, but her astral self is reading the dark hold and presumably she's going to power up even more. She's already, you know, from Endgame and from what we see in the show, she is a, a you know, a top tier power uh, in the MCU. Yeah, and I think, think she's going to be even more powerful now in yeah. whatever she is next in. Thank you for giving that recap, April. Let's kind of dive into it now. I feel like I just like blurted out a million things. So We've been told that one of the main missions of this show was to set up for the next Doctor Strange movie. The next Doctor Strange movie is titled Madness. Multiverse, Multiverse of Madness. Multiverse of Madness, thank you. And so we know that there's going to be a whole lot of craziness going on. You know, this uh, the concept of the multiverse means that we can pull in the Fantastic Four or the X-Men. Um, and a thing that we left out of that end credit scene uh, summary was that Wanda also hears the voices of her sons, Billy and Tommy, uh, and so it's possible that they now exist potentially in another dimension and that Wanda would be interested in going to find them in that dimension. Uh, and that would definitely be something that Doctor Strange could help her out with. And I really think, you know, I did not think that Scarlet Witch was going to be a central role uh, in another Marvel movie that was upcoming, but I think now she is set to really play a major role in Doctor Strange, I would guess. Yeah, I think she's going to be, like, second t- second tier in that movie, I would assume. Like, yeah. I think they're going to be together and going through the multiverse trying to figure out where her kids are, like, and what's going on with them, because I, the way I understood her character from this is that she is the Scarlet Witch, which means she is the only one in all of the multiverses. So she goes to a different multiverse. There's not another Scarlet Witch. There could be another Wanda Maximoff, but she's not the Scarlet Witch. So therefore, she can go in any multiverse, and she is it. There's not going to be another one of her. So I think she's going to go looking for her family as much as she can. I think White Vision comes back as a different kind of vision. Maybe her vision. We'll kind of see where that ends up going up. Like I don't think I don't know that he'll be in Doctor Strange. Maybe. But, yeah, I would I would guess no, but again, it's pure speculation. The right. vision scenario kind of reminds me a little bit of Endgame, uh, Gamora, where you know, yeah, it's kind of like brand new. 2014 Gamora is now mm-hmm. in the main timeline. Yeah, and she doesn't have the history mm-hmm. with uh, with Star Lord uh, that you know current version did and whatnot. Right, and so now you have this vision floating around who. You know, has access to some of the emotions and memories, I'm sure. But they're going to be new things to him. They're not his lived experience. Uh, So we could have that kind of analog. And again, you know, fan theories abound. You know, we were wondering, are we going to see Mephisto, which is basically a devil character uh, in the MCU? I do Um, think he's played up. Like, there were something I didn't mention about these episodes, is there are random, like, little, like, commercials in them. mm -hmm. And I think all of those commercials did really kind of point towards that. So I think he could be coming down the road. But I'm not surprised that it didn't show him to you in a TV show. Like, I think they're waiting for big bads to be in the movies. And they can hint for them and Easter egg them all they want. Because there are plenty of Easter eggs throughout this entire series of many different things. Not just, you know, have things that have to do with Wanda. 
And I think that we could see them coming down the road. But I'm not surprised that it didn't show up in the actual TV show. Okay. So let's take a step back for a second. Talk about after Spider-Man Far From Home. Okay. We had what was supposed to be an order. I believe I have this correct. Correct me if I'm wrong. That we were going to go into the Black Widow movie. Mm Mm-hmm. And then Falcon and the Winter Soldier would actually have been the first TV show. Correct. And then WandaVision would have, would have came around. Yes. Uh, and so that order obviously was, uh, you know, messed up because of the pandemic, because mm-hmm. of COVID, shutting down movie theaters. We are still waiting for Black Widow to come out. Hopefully in May. Hopefully in May. I'm not optimistic, uh, but I think we're getting close. Uh, to the time where that is actually feasible. Uh, And so, Falcon and the Winter Soldier was supposed to be the first TV show. This is Marvel's first serious Kevin Feige-led adventure in TV land. You know, you had Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D., which I have not really watched at all. Uh, Me neither. Was supposed to be, I think, somewhat canon, and now it's probably not going to be canon, is my guess. Um, I mean, by watching this show, you don't know that it's a TV show. This could be a... Two-hour movie if you put it all together. Absolutely. It to be. But Falcon and the Winter Soldier, I think, is much more is a much safer choice, right? And we've seen that from the previews that we've seen. Like it's way more MCU normal. It's going to be you know an, an action movie with with two characters we've already seen a lot of mm-hmm. in the movies. Uh, you know this. You know we already seen Baron Zemo is going to be at least the main bad guy, if not. Or maybe just a you know a second level bad guy, but definitely a bad guy. We've already seen him. I'm sure they'll have some fun adventures. Maybe it'll be one or two kind of tie-ins to other movies, but not like a huge from a you know a setup perspective. And it, like I said, safe. This show, especially with how it start started, was not safe. I would say like Agreed. you go with the very old TV show you know gag of like mimicking off of those shows. It's not very plot heavy in the first three episodes at all. It's really just it's purposely not plot heavy. You yeah. don't know what's going on. Uh, you know, it's you have this husband and wife who are trying to live this idyllic lifestyle, um, and and only after we get a third of the way into the series do we kind of zoom out and say, oh, here's what's actually going on. Things are starting to fall apart when we really get into. Uh, you know, the plot of the show and how it connects to the rest of the MCU. Right. I think that worked out in their favor, though. I think this series coming out being so different works for them. I think, yeah, you have those people at the beginning that were like, what is this? I don't want to watch this. This isn't isn't my MCU because you're going to always have those people. But I think from the majority, people really liked this from the very beginning. And it's so different. And I think if you gave us Falcon and the Winter Soldier and then this, people are like, what are we doing? So this doesn't matter. This is its own thing. Like, yeah, I think it connects into Doctor Strange, but it doesn't really connect into anything else. And so, like, I'm guessing we're going to get some pretty good connections between Falcon and the Winter Soldier for the future of the MCU as far as the movies and everything. And I think that's going to have a lot more to do with what's coming than WandaVision does. So I think giving us WandaVision and getting it out first and it being something different and still being such a huge hit is a huge win for them. And I think having Falcon and the Winter Soldier coming next 
I think was going to work. I think it works better, actually. Not that I don't trust Kevin Feige and his planning. Absolutely, I do. I know it would have probably worked out. But I do think this actually ended up being better for them. That's an interesting thought I hadn't really considered. And I agree with a lot of what you said. But I would say that this show actually does have... This show had more... I think it's going to be more essential to watch this show than Falcon and the Winter Soldier. Because I think a lots of big MCU impactful events happened in this show. You mean like the Easter egg stuff kind of thing? No, I mean, I mean let's, I'm mean, just going to break it down here real quick. So we get the creation of and the pseudo-resurrection of Vision okay. in this show. Vision right. is permadead, uh, as far as we know, before the mm-hmm. show starts. Yes. Uh, his original... Self that we know is is not real. Uh, mm-hmm. it, you know, it, he goes away at the end of the show. Yeah, he's gone. Uh, when Wanda destroys the Hex. But he is more or less back in the MCU in a slightly different form as right. White Vision. So you've resurrected a character who was killed in, in the actual movies. Right. So I think that's important. Less important is, you know, they purposely chose to leave Agatha Harkness mm-hmm. alive mm-hmm. and imprisoned at the end of this movie. She is, as long as Catherine Hahn wants to continue working with Marvel. She was amazing, by the way. Yes, absolutely. Just wonderful. Uh, and, and, and the memes, you get the winking meme uh, that comes that comes I out really of this. I really wish I knew what the purpose of the rabbit was. Like, I really thought that was going to uh-huh. have a purpose at some point. It never did, but it was full of laughs. Um, so, as long as she wants to work with Marvel again. Right. They're going to have her back in, in you know, so another good. TV show or another movie or whatever. Yeah, and I don't know how big of a, like, tier she has in the comics. We're really bad. Neither one of us have ever read the comics, so we don't really know. But, I mean, I would say even if she has any other kind of storylines, of course they're going to do that. She, everyone loved her. I didn't hear anyone have anything bad to say about her character. So. I mean, does anyone ever have anything bad to say about Catherine Hahn? Ever? N- no. No. The answer is no. Of course not. Um, so you have all of that happen. You create a new superhero, right? Like, we don't know. Yeah, that, that is very big. We don't know officially that she's Photon or who they're exactly going to make her. Um, I don't even really know, like, what her powers are. Some kind of electric, like. Yeah, it seems like I, she has some kind of. I don't really of, know. She has some kind of relationship with energy. You know, she could kind of see the power lines yeah. surging when she had gotten into the hex. She was able to kind of rearrange her matter when the bullets kind of went through mm-hmm. her at the at the end fight or whatnot. So we've we've resurrected a character, introduced a, a you know, very well could be like a Captain Marvel kind of sidekick. Mm-hmm. New superhero created. Okay. Have another, you know, minor minor character that, that could make their way back into a movie. Mm-hmm. Um and again, and set up like if you are you know, if you go in and to watch the next Doctor Strange movie and you haven't watched this. No, I'm not saying that you could have not watched it. I'm just saying does it matter that it came out first versus second? I I don't think it really matters in the long run, and I think this worked out better for them. No, I agree with you. I don't think the order matters. I just do think that this was I like I think this was the highest amount of plot that you could put in a TV show mm-hmm. without making it like too restrictive by saying you must watch the TV show. Because there are gonna be people who don't oh, watch it. I think this. Kevin Feige has already come out and said that. Like if you want to have the full in depth uh, story of everything that's going on in in the movies and the TV shows, 
you have basically have to watch all of it. Like, I mean, obviously I don't think you have to watch like what if, or like that's the kind of like off series kind of things. But Mm -hmm. I think the purpose of the TV shows is to give you a backstory for a lot of the characters. We didn't get a huge backstory for in the movies and then bring you new characters. I think all of the TV shows are going to introduce you to new characters. Otherwise, what is the point of them? Like, I think we're going to get a new character in Falcon and the Winter Soldier, whether he, like, stays alive or not, I don't know. But, or, like, if one of them actually become Captain America or however that happens. Like, I mean, we're going to get a new Hawkeye in the Hawkeye series. We're going to, God only knows what's going to happen in Loki. And, um, you know, all those kind of things. I think with the multiverse coming in, there's just going to be so many either new characters or new versions of characters and, like, all that kind of stuff that... If you want to know, have any idea what is going on, I think you should just watch all of it. And this is bold, I think, right? Like, this is Marvel saying... We, we have are, you on the hook. We are here. <laughs> like, we, stay on it. We are the right hand of Disney. We are here to conquer the world. Basically. And the movie, you know, uh, making billion-dollar grossing movies is not enough anymore. We are <laughs> extending, you know, uh, our powers into the television medium. Uh, and... And again, they already have movies, toys, TV now, mm-hmm. uh, you know, theme parks. Uh, and I'm, I for one, yeah, am willing I mean, to bow down to my Disney overlords. You're about to, you know, have all these new characters and new TV shows. There's going to be toys for all of them. And it's going to be just like they were a movie. It's not going to matter. It's not going to look any different. Like, and you don't have to have the, I think they still have the big budget because they look pretty much like a movie. Mm-hmm. But, and I think all of the episodes we're going to get for everything else is only six episodes where this was nine. Um, so I, I hope, or I would guess that all of the episodes are going to be longer for the other TV shows than they were for this one. But I think it's just going to keep going and keep building. I mean, if you remember back to like the first three phases of Marvel, not that we knew it in phase one, but it just kept building and building and building on each other. And it's not like they can stop that now. Like, I think they're just building and building more tiers and just flattening out the bottom like you started from here you're working your way up and there's just so many levels of it because there's so many characters okay so do you think give like a grade for this for the show and whatever and whatever medium you want to grade it but do you think you like this show as much as you did because it was the only marvel thing that we had or do you think it stands on its own as just a an excellent tv creation that you enjoyed Okay, so first part of that, I would say in like an A through F school sure. grading system, I would give this show an A easily. Okay. Um, I absolutely think it stands on its own. Yes, it is the first Marvel thing we've gotten in a really long time. So I think it could have therefore fell flat on its face. And I think actually that part worked against it. Like, I think you expected so much from this because you're so excited to watch it and it's the first Marvel content you've had in so long that you're like, oh, I can't wait. Like, and you're so excited. And then then the fact that they were like, oh, you're only going to get it once a week. You're like, come on. I want to watch it. I want to be able to binge it and see it and know what's going to happen. And it's not a two-hour movie. I got to wait, you know, eight weeks for all of this. So I think that was a really bold choice by Marvel. And they were basically just like, we're going to ease you into this and you're going to suck it up and like it. And I loved it. Like it worked for me. It's great. I love old sitcoms. That part of it, I was hooked from the first episode. I was just like, wow, like this is so different. This is so cool. 
who came to Marvel and was like, hey, I have this idea. We're going to start in black and white, and they're going to pretend they're a 50s sitcom. And Kevin Feige was like, that sounds amazing. Go ahead and do that. Like, I just feel like that's so far away from anything that they've ever done that you really have to trust in the people you work with and trust in Kevin Feige. And I don't know why at this point you would ever not trust in Kevin Feige because it's just all works. And yeah, it works on different tiers, but as of late, everything is pretty top tier. I mean, no arguments for me. Uh, you know, again, and this is uh, what I mentioned earlier, this is risky, right? Like, not only is this different stylistically from much of what has come before, but you've, I don't mean this in a bad way, but they've lost some of their goodwill, right? Like, phase four has ended. You had this brilliant 23 movie arc that comes to this excellent culmination. Mm-hmm. With Endgame, you have kind of an epilogue with Spider-Man Far From Home. Uh, but you've lost some of your big guns, right? Yeah. Like, theoretically, Robert Downey Jr. is done as Iron Man, and he's dead. And, again, it's comic book mo- I think he's like, Black Widow, but it's okay. It, <laughs> sure, but that's in the past. Like, right. going forward into, yes. into the next phase. Yeah, your two big guns are supposedly gone. Um, your two big guns are gone. Chris Evans is old now and, mm-hmm. and theoretically seems gone. Yes. Um, hold your breath, people, because... The, the multiverse could change all of it. You never of know. Of course. And again, well, you know, give it a couple years and then Marvel comes back with that giant bag full of money. <laughs> and Downey's hey, like, yes, absolutely. Hey, are you interested in this? <laughs> uh, you know, we might see some of these people back. But for now, you know, they've... And then with the pandemic, like... You've lost your momentum, right? Right, Not- but I think with the pan- didn't the pandemic happen at the perfect time for them? Like, it could have happened in between Infinity War and Endgame, and we'd all be dying. Like, we'd be like, give us the movie already. Like, if they wouldn't have released Endgame, how would we all be feeling? What would we all be doing with ourselves? Like, we'd be losing our minds yeah. not knowing what happened, and like... All of the things that came from Endgame and all of the announcements and everything. We wouldn't know any of that because they couldn't have told us any of that if we didn't know what happened in Endgame already. So you have 23 movies that all come together in Endgame that they did a marvelous job of. And I think it just worked. Absolutely. So I think it came at the perfect time for them. Yeah, I, do, I agree with you. Like, I obviously, everyone has had this huge break. You haven't had any Marvel time, like anything mm-hmm. to give you. But I think that when you're going to kind of restart, that's kind of the perfect time to do that. It kind of worked out in their favor. They could kind of say, okay, let's take a step back. You know, we're not on the train that we just have to keep chugging them out mm-hmm. kind of thing. And we can really set up this timeline as to how I want to set it up and what can come when and how we're going to do this. And Sony and Marvel can figure out and become BFFs again so we can all keep Spider-Man in the world and all that kind of stuff. So... Um, I think it worked, actually. I think it actually ends up working well for them. And what can you say? Marvel just, you know, keeps, you know, just keeps hitting uh, 21 over and over and over again. Like, yeah, I just, uh, it's and, amazing to me. <laughs> and then on the flip side, you have four-hour Snyder Cut coming. Oh, I'm the, watching it. Don't you worry. For the DC fans. And I could not I could not be less excited. Max is super excited, so... We're back. We're definitely just, uh, I just want to let everyone know, just because Zack Snyder is making this, doesn't mean it has to be good. Because no, we it doesn't. Have, we have plenty of Zack Snyder movies that aren't very good. So but it's still four hours, so you can watch it. <sighs> <laughs> All right. What else do you want to say about WandaVision? 
Um, in all, I think I was a little disappointed. The only thing I was really disappointed in was that, you know, Paul Bettany had to run his mouth and talk about some big cameo, and so did um, <laughs> Olsen, but they never actually came, you know. Paul Bettany was just kind of like, oh, I was talking about being able to play against myself because I've never worked with myself, and like, ha, 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 you're hilarious. But all of this stuff that, like, came out of who this person could be, and then the, like, oh, it could be Reed Richards, it could be Doctor... Like, I'm really surprised Doctor Strange never actually showed up. I know they actually mentioned the Sorcerer Supreme in the show, but they don't say him by name, or he doesn't show up in a end credit scene or anything. That kind of really surprised me to, like, really tie it in, but it kind of really just left it more all on its own, and... You know, we're going to give you the Easter eggs of what we think we know is coming and you can figure out, think or think what you know is coming. And this is kind of just is what it is. And you guys, you know, go talk about it. Cause that's what Marvel seems to love to do anymore. I mean, everybody wants to, you know, be the show or the movie that, you know, controls the water cooler talk. And again, I, I'm almost always going to take episodic TV over binging. Oh. Uh, I just love the fact that we look forward to Friday Fridays. And specifically Friday nights, and you and I woke up at the ass crack of dawn to watch the series finale. Before work, that's uh, Before true. work. Uh, and we look forward, I would say, we look forward to Fridays, you know, obviously it's the, oh, end, I of get the it. end of the work week, but we have the show that we're looking forward to. This is a show, especially with how short the first couple episodes were. I would have been fine, to, and I would have actually binged this show, because uh, this did hook me, for sure. Uh, I had that, you know, Marvel-sized hole in my heart, uh, and the show did a very good job of trying to fill it. Uh, and again, I would say if I'm going to give, I'm going to give this an A minus, splitting hairs. But you are that person. <laughs> this show took two characters that honestly, like when they showed up in Infinity War, I was just kind of like, who are these people? Eh, do Why we do I care? Like, no, I mean I know who they are, but I'm like, this is like the C plot, and I just want to move it along. And now they took those two characters, mm-hmm. the same characters, and made me really like invested in them, really care about them. I mean, this show yeah. had a real like a real heart to it, a whole lot of emotion to it. You know, you get the the vision line when they flash back to Vision uh, and Wanda, you know, hanging out in Ultron and kind of the very beginnings of their relationship. Uh, and you know, you get Vision saying, you know, what is grief if not love persevering. And you really just get the fact that she's gone through so much tr- personal tragedy in her life. You know, she's watched her her significant other. You know, she had to she had to kill him, and then Thanos rewound time, and then she had to watch him die again. Her parents, her parents, her I brother, know, her brother. Um. So you know, Elizabeth Olsen, phenomenal. Paul Bettany, phenomenal. Yes. Everybody in this, really everybody in this TV show, even you get. Those minor characters, right? Mm-hmm. You get, uh, you know, you get the FBI agent from Ant Man, and you get the the sidekick from Thor, mm-hmm. and you see them, and you're like, oh, hey, it's the it's the Leo from uh, Once Upon a Time in Hollywood, meme <laughs> where you you got the point, and you're like, hey, I know who that person is. Yeah. Um, it really just this was wonderful, you know. Again, I'm, you know, when I think you realized how funny they both could be because mm-hmm. this is pretty funny like yeah the modern family episode in particular like, <laughs> when she's just like completely like bent out of shape yeah in pajamas and, and like, everything is like you know glitching because she like can't keep it all together and yeah for sure and like <laughs> i just think it's really funny like i thought it was funny that they poked at her accent because everyone <laughs> has talked about that like uh-huh. that it's come and gone so much throughout different things she's been in 
and you know they they bring that up and i just think they did a really really good job all right well i think that's gonna bring us to the end of uh wandavision we love this show uh we only have a one week you know bye and then we're dive right into falcon and the winter soldier yeah yeah all right april 9th finished up our conversation on wandavision now we're gonna move to a pair of gen z voices and they're going to give their opinions about WandaVision and the Marvel Cinematic Universe, respectively. All right. So welcome, everybody, to a very special section of today's show we, where we are talking about WandaVision. You are not going to hear anything from me about WandaVision because I've never seen it, and it's very possible that I never will. But that's fine. I found somebody who's much more qualified to discuss the show than I am, and I'm going to just go ahead and bring her along for her first appearance on the show. So, Winnie, welcome to the Buckeye Dads Discuss podcast. Hi. So, Winnie has just finished the show, what, probably an hour or so ago that you finished the last episode? So, it's very fresh. So, we want to get your take on WandaVision. So, just start us off. What were your thoughts on the whole series? Good series, bad series? Uh, it was all right. There wasn't really a lot of episodes. That I thought it would be like 11 or 12. So, some of them didn't really make sense. So a little disappointed with the nine episode length. Yeah. Otherwise, what were your thoughts on the show? It was good. Solid show. What was, what was the best episode that you saw? Uh, probably like eight or seven. What happened in those episodes? So, spoiler alert: one, two, three. Turn it off if you're afraid of spoilers. What were your favorite? What made seven or eight the best episodes? Uh, I think eight was where, um, or might have been seven. I think it was eight where uh, Agnes turns out to be like a witch, but more powerful. And then she like, like um, Wanda's brother when he died from uh endgame when he got shot uh agnes like made um him but like different and then wanda thought it was like real but then it wasn't it was just agnes the whole time that sounds very complicated i know i had to rewatch it like the whole time as somebody who often gets distracted and or falls asleep during TV, just your description right there makes me think this show might require a little bit more brain power than I have. So it's probably a good thing that you were the one watching it because I don't know if I could have kept up with all of that. Are they real? Are they not? It does sound interesting though. Who are your favorite characters in the show? Uh, probably Wanda and Agnes. Okay. So for people out there who are on the fence about WandaVision, should I watch it? Should I not? So who who would like this show? Who would good fans be for this show? Mm, probably people that like uh, Marvel, uh, all the movies, like Endgame. So is this a show that, that takes place kind of in the Marvel universe? Yeah. Okay. Well, I, I haven't done any research into this next question, so there may already be an answer to it, but if there is, I don't know. Do you think there'll be a season two? From the last episode I just watched, like the end of it, I think so, because it didn't really make sense, like the last segment of the whole show. Left you with a little bit of a cliffhanger, some questions that you're hoping they'll be able to answer if they come out with another season? They do that every time, like after the episode in the first season, it like, that end scene was like, really quiet. Did it have something in the credits? 
like is the classic Marvel thing at the end? Or did it not do credits at the end? Uh, it just did who played it. Okay. I know some, sometimes don't the Marvel movies have like a little bit of a comeback where there's like in the credits and there's like, oh, bonus scene. Oh, yeah, bonus scene sometimes. But none of that in WandaVision? No, I did that somewhere. Okay. Yeah, All right. And what will you be watching next now that WandaVision is over? I know that was something you've been looking forward to pretty much every Friday, what, for the last, uh, I mean, this entire year, you've been kind of looking forward to that. So what's next for Winnie on the uh, TV watching rotation besides Champions League, of course? Uh, nothing. Nothing. <laughs> All right. So it might be a long wait until season two of WandaVision comes out. Anything else that you want to share about WandaVision? All righty. Well, thanks for joining the Buckeye Does Discuss podcast today. And we next, if there's a season two of WandaVision, we'll bring you back for sure. Or the next time there's something interesting in the Marvel Cinematic Universe, you're going to be our go-to because I have no idea what's going on and you do. So thanks for joining us today. Sure. All righty, back to you guys. And that's going to conclude our WandaVision talk for this episode. Let's move into our list of the week. It's the list of the week. All right, everyone. So we're bringing on somebody new for this episode. Max, say hello to everyone. Hello. All right. So we're going to shift gears and talk about the Marvel Cinematic Universe as a whole. Max is here, and he's going to give his top five Marvel movies. So, Max, go ahead and give us your first favorite Marvel movie. Thor Ragnarok. All right, Thor Ragnarok's your number one. Why do you like Thor Ragnarok? Um, I like Thor Ragnarok because I like Searcher in the beginning. How Thor and Searcher fight at the beginning and end. Uh huh. There's a lot of Loki in this movie, right? You really like Loki. Mm hmm. Uh huh. What do you think about Hela? Is she a good bad guy? She's not exactly, but she's pretty good. But she's not like the ultimate, ultimate one. Oh yeah, who do you think's the ultimate bad guy? Thanos. Of course. Okay. All right. What is your second favorite Marvel movie? Infinity War. I really like Infinity War too. What's your favorite part of Infinity War? Well, it's actually not the battle. It's actually when Thanos is collecting the stones. Oh, yeah? And you like that mission part of the story? Mm-hmm. Yeah? And you like it when the bad guys win? Yes. <laughs> yeah. You and me like bad guys in stories, right? All right. So what about your third favorite Marvel movie? Um, Civil War. Captain America Civil War? What's your favorite part about Civil War? So first they have to deal with crossbones. Yeah. I think that's pretty cool that they made crossbones in it. Yeah. And also I like it how they have the war and then like it's pretty big and then there's like only really two people left. Like older people are getting weaker in the war, so I think that part's pretty good. Yeah, you like the air you like the airport fight? Yeah. Alright, pretty cool, pretty cool. Okay, your fourth favorite Marvel movie? Um, it would be Age of Ultron. Yeah, now a lot of people don't really like Ultron, so what do you like about Ultron? I really like it that they put Scarlet Witch and Quicksilver in it. They didn't have 
dumb in the movie. I don't think the movie would really make any sense. Uh-huh, and that's the first time we get to meet Claw, too. Yeah. And Scarlet Witch and Quicksilver, just like you said. And uh-huh. and we know that Scarlet Witch is in WandaVision, and that ends up being a pretty cool show, right? Uh-huh. All right. What's your fifth favorite Marvel movie? It would be Endgame. Yeah, why do you like Endgame? So, I like it because the Avengers also go back in time to get all back the stones and try to make their own Infinity Gauntlet, and then the war comes again, and all the Avengers come back. Thanos goes bye-bye. <laughs> all right, so who's your, who's your favorite bad guy? Loki. You love Loki. Are you excited about the Loki TV show that's going to yeah. happen? Yeah. Mm-hmm. All right, Maxwell. Thank you for coming on the show. We really like your Marvel movies. Say goodbye to everyone. Goodbye. All right. Uh, April and I are back again. Thanks, Winnie, for giving your thoughts on WandaVision. And thank you, Max, for giving your top five Marvel movies. All right, April, we are going to continue on with this list of the week, and this is going to be the biggest list we've ever done, even bigger than the the historical moments list that Andy and I did. That was only 10, right? That was only 10. All right, you and I are going to go ahead and give our rankings from 23 to 1 uh, from our least favorite to most favorite MCU films. And so I asked you to do this, I did this, we did this beforehand, and we compared our list beforehand, and they were actually pretty similar. I thought there was going to be some pretty big differences, and we we put our notes together, and they were largely the same. So what we're going to do for this is you're just going to walk, walk us through your list, okay? and then I'm just going to chime in with where I had that movie on my list, uh, you know, noting if it was higher or lower. Uh, so we're not going to swap back and forth. Uh, we'll ha- try to keep this a little bit more streamlined. And we're going to talk about each movie as we go, and then we'll wrap up with some closing thoughts about what our list looked like and uh, and any final thoughts. Okay. Go ahead. 23 Marvel movies to date. What's number 23 for you? Number 23 for me is The Incredible Hulk. And this was exactly the same uh, on my list in the last spot. I just feel like I had to be honest with this one. Like, I've watched this movie one time in my life, and the Hulk is not even played by the same person in the MCU. So, they don't bring anybody into the MCU that's even in this movie. So, I just feel like it really doesn't have any point in this movie. It doesn't really tie in. So, I'm kind of surprised it's even included in the list as, like, one of the movies in the, in the phases. So... Um, it's definitely my least favorite Marvel movie. As I said, I like the Hulk in the MCU. I, (laughs) I don't really like the Hulk in this movie, so I'm glad they changed actors and it's my bottom tier. I don't have too much to add. I mean, we do get, uh, Thunderbolt Ross from this movie does kind of come through a bit as a minor character, but they don't really really him back to any of his Hulk adventures. Uh, Ruffalo over Norton for me as well. Uh, no Liv Tyler, nobody else from the original movie. Uh, <laughs> I know you love Liv Tyler, but I'm sorry, Liv Tyler. I can't. Like, you, just no. Um, so, for all the same reasons you mentioned, it's last on my list as well. Okay, number 22, I have Thor The Dark World. 
I have this just one spot uh, more favorably than you do. This movie, I think, is generally known as not one of the greatest MCU movies. I don't really like Natalie Portman in these movies either. And seeing that she's coming back for Thor 3, or Thor 4, I guess, um, I really hope it's a really good script compared to this movie. This movie is all over the place. There are so many things wrong with this movie. It just doesn't really make any sense. Like they have his friends in it they ended up dying they end up dying and like it's just I'm just like all over the place okay I just yeah I don't even really want to rewatch this movie we sat down and rewatched all of these movies with our son and I don't even think I paid attention during this movie it's definitely in the bottom tier um I agree with almost all of that um the one highlight from this movie is you do get some excellent Thor Loki interactions in particular, when they're setting about for the ambush and Loki, like, uh, you know, transforms into Captain uh, America. And yeah. you have that whole bit. That's pretty funny. Uh, well, I just think that's Tom Hiddleston. Like, he's just so good at Loki that, like, you just can't. For sure. Uh, but again, you're still in, like, straight lace, wooden, not very funny to be around yeah. Thor. Not fun at all. Uh, Malekith is just garbage tier bad guy. Mm-hmm. Uh, you and know. you don't, like, really understand that, like, it's an Infinity Stone, but it's, like, in Natalie Portman, and, like, yeah. I totally did not get that the first time I watched this movie. I was like, what are you talking about? Like... Right. So. Um, yeah, so, again, this is this is widely regarded. You know, most people, I would say, don't even have Hulk on their list, and so, therefore, this movie often becomes the bottom to your Marvel movie, and we agree on that. Okay, at 21, I have Iron Man 3. Um, I have this just three spots higher on my list. So, Iron Man is probably my favorite character in the MCU. However, I don't think his movies are the top trilogy in the MCU. That probably goes to Captain America. However, Downey is just, like, amazing at this character. I... Can't look away from him when he's on screen. He's great. So Iron Man 3 just kind of like, eh, it's not like your typical Iron Man movie. He like, you know, gets lost and this kid helps him like get put back together and all that kind of stuff. And it's a good like little story, like offsetting, but it doesn't really have any, I think like major ramifications. They blow up his house. Like, I don't, he blows up all of his um, Iron Man suits, suits at, like during it and stuff. And I don't know, it just wasn't, it's not one of my favorite Iron Man movies. I think the other two are far better than this one, so it remains at my bottom. Um, I agree with that. Um, I just don't think that I'm stealing this from Binge Mode for sure, uh, but this movie doesn't feel connected to the rest of the MCU. Like right. The lessons that Tony learned in this movie don't really manifest themselves in the movies that come afterwards. No, you know, he just stays like, the exact same person before the movie right. even happens. Um, and so, as such, I just don't think that... Uh, I think one and two are much better movies, uh, and and I don't really particularly love this movie either. Okay, at 20, I have Ant-Man. It's exactly where I have it. So, uh, no discredit to Paul Rudd. I think he plays this character very, very well. I just think it's kind of comical for a superhero to be an Ant-Man to begin with. So, one, I don't really take you seriously yet. So, hopefully your movie makes me take you seriously. 
this movie doesn't really do that. Um, I do think he's an interesting character, like, by the end of the movie, but I don't really like him into, like, in the MCU, so it was hard for me to connect with this movie and with his character. Um, I think his, like, relationship with his daughter is cool, and getting to meet, like, Hank Pym and all the people that come in his circle is cool to add them in, but I just don't think he's top-tier superhero, in my opinion. I like these movies tonally. I like the shift to kind of small-scale, light-hearted. Uh, you know, this is not, you know, the world's ending a smaller in these, scale, in these yeah. movies, and I, and I like that quite a bit. Um, I just like the second movie in the series so much more than the first one. And I think the bad guy character who I'm drawing a blank on his name, I just think kind of sucks. And so the fight scene is cool at the end where they're going big and they're going small and whatnot or whatever. Yeah. Um, I think that's cool. Uh, I think this movie is funny. Paul Rudd is ageless. Paul Rudd is wonderful. Mm -hmm. Um, but it's, it's again, it is a bottom tier movie for me. Agreed. So at 19, I have Avengers Age of Ultron. And I have this just two spots higher on my list. I think this is by far the worst Avengers movie out of the four. Um, obviously, what comes after this is much higher tier. But um, I just don't really like Ultron as a bad guy. Like, he's hard for me to take seriously as, like, a robot. He's never really explained very well for me. He kind of, like, goes off and does his own thing, builds, like, his own little army, and then just kind of falls apart, but really everyone says he's, like, still alive, technically, and I just didn't really understand that. I mean, I think the coolest thing that comes out of this is he creates vision out of this movie. The hammer scene's pretty cool, I'll give him that, um, where everyone tries to lift the hammer. Um, outside of that, I don't, I mean, you get a little taste of, like, what could have been with, like, um, Black Widow and the Hulk that never ends up happening or going anywhere and I think there's just a lot of things that kind of just fall flat because they just don't keep going with it from this movie so it's at my bottom as well um, I think the party scene in the beginning with the, the hammer uh, lifting contest uh, is, is really good uh, and otherwise I think this movie really isn't very good um, I do think I like Ultron as a bad guy a little bit more than you knew. And this is also the first time we get introduced to uh, Andy Serkis as Claw, which I love. Uh, you know, he plays Gollum in The Lord of the Rings. Uh, and I just love his character, especially in Black Panther. We just don't... The intro to Quicksilver and uh, Wanda as Scarlet Witch. Again, she's not named as the Scarlet Witch until mm -hmm. WandaVision. Right. Um, she's just Wanda uh, in these in these movies. I just don't think, you know, they were... Right, and they start off as bad guys in this movie, you know. Right. And eventually... And they just don't have the depth it. yet. So, no. you know, we grow to love them by the time we get around to Infinity War, Endgame, and WandaVision. Um, but right now, just, just not doing a whole lot for Well, me. and, like, Pedro is in this movie and dies in this movie, so you get nothing from him, basically. Yeah, well, <laughs> you get, and maybe we'll get Evan Peters. <laughs> maybe, let's uh, hope. Later, and that would be great, too. All right, well, I think our biggest misstep between the two of us is on my next on my list. I have Doctor Strange. This is a travesty. <laughs> um, and no, this is largely me, uh, you know, having... Benedict Cumberbatch shaded sunglasses uh, on. I have this movie six on my list. 
I love Benedict Cumberbatch as Doctor Strange. Uh, I love the magical element. That, again, you know, you have gods and you have technology. You have action. And this is the first time that we really, you have space. This is the first time that we really get to, you know, the magical element of the MCU. Um, and the magical element is really cool because you can take some of the really ridiculously overpowered characters and you can kind of tame them by just saying, you know, magic wand, you know, this can now happen. Uh, so I think all of the stuff with Attila Swinton as Sorcerer Supreme uh, start in that movie. Uh, Wong is a funny character that we come back again in Infinity War. Uh, you know, kind of a clever ending with the, 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 the time stone and trapping Dormammu. Uh, Mads Mikkelsen in this movie as the bad guy. I just, you know, I love this movie more than most and I have it way higher up on my list. Yeah, I think my reasoning for having it so far down on my list is just that he's a dick. Like, he's not a very likable character. Okay, so, but you love... Iron Man. I do. I think Downey plays it better, like, to be honest. Like, um, I just think, like, <laughs> I don't know. I just don't really, it's nothing against Cumberbatch, and I know you love Cumberbatch, but, because I do grow to like his character more when he's in more things, but we haven't really gotten a lot of him yet. We got the most of him, besides, obviously, his movie in Infinity War. Right. And I thought he was really good in yeah, Infinity War. Yeah, he's really good in Infinity and War. His, I agree and his five minutes in Thor Ragnarok <laughs> is amazing. That is true. So, he's really, to me, he's bad at a really high average. Yeah, I just think, I think the, like, aspect of, like, I protect your reality, douchebag, um, <laughs> is just kind of, like, way harder to follow. And, yeah, like, after watching it a couple times, I'm like, okay, like, I, I get this now, but... When I watched it the first time, I was just kind of like, meh. We're going to have to just right. agree to disagree. And on we this definitely one. just disagree. Okay, so, but above that on my list at 17, I have Guardians of the Galaxy 2. Um, I have that three spots higher than you. So pretty close. Um, mm -hmm. I think the first one of this far outweighs the second. And <laughs> I think what I said to you when we were talking about making these lists is that. Uh, <laughs> your boys in this, and I, I can't um give a top tier to any movie that what is his name? I can't even think of his name. Sylvester there Stallone. <laughs> Sylvester Stallone is. I can't take him seriously. So <laughs> I was just like, why is he in this? He's in this movie for like two minutes. I know, but I just can't. And like the whole like uh Quinn's dad aspect of this, and I mean, you do learn that he's like part god. Not that that ever really seems to like matter like you would think that would make Quinn like a lot powerful and no well, he's only half right yeah more important I guess in the MCU and I just don't ever think anyone ever takes him seriously like he's the joker on the side kind of person character in the MCU so I mean it's funny it's great the soundtrack is as amazing as the first one but it's definitely not one of my top movies to me it's just another clear side-by-side -side comparison just like Ant-Man the first one is just straight up better, yeah. I think. Um, the soundtrack is better than one to me. Uh, you know, the novelty, again, the first Guardians we'll talk about later, it was just so different, and I just think it's a much better movie than the second one is, uh, and that's why I have it relatively low uh, on my list. All right, above that, I go to Iron Man 2. 
Um, I have this movie three spots higher than you. Right. Again, I love Robert Downey Jr.'s Iron Man. I think this movie is much better than the third one. I don't really have a whole lot to delve into with this other than I think the first one is far superior and I feel like the middle of this list is a lot of could be very interchangeable. So Mm -hmm. um, I think like starting here until we get to our top 10, I think it's just easily you could move stuff around. So it's in the middle of the pack for me. Yeah, this movie had to do a lot of exposition. Mm -hmm. A lot. Like, in this movie, you get, uh, and this is, again, this is just off the top of my head, Uh, you obviously, you have the whole arc with the bad guy, Um, you have Justin Hammer and that that whole, like, subplot line, uh, you have, oh, I'm blanking on her name, you have Black Widow, you have Scarlett Johansson, and the whole Samuel L. Jackson shield avengers thing coming together um you have roadie uh you know we have the actor change you have don Cheadle coming into this movie yeah fantastic as war machine uh there's just a lot of moving parts to this movie you have the the howard stark you know him having to try and figure out what's going on with his core and inventing a new element and finding the message that his dad left him there's just a ton ton going on in this movie. Mm-hmm. So, it's messy. It doesn't all fit together very well. It's a little bloated. Uh, but you get Scarlett Johansson as Black Widow, and and she's just amazing. I like this movie. I like this movie. Okay. Um, above that, I go to the first Thor movie. Okay. You have this... Alright, so I thought about this for a while, and I dropped this movie a ton. I have this... As the second worst Marvel movie, I have this even below Thor in the Dark World. That is amazing to me. So why do you qualify this movie worse than the Dark World? Because the Dark World at least has parts that I like. In particular, again, the Loki Loki stuff. Loki is a much worse character in this this movie. And Thor is just... They did not know what they wanted to do with Thor. He's just a very... He's just the god version of Captain America, I feel like, where... He has his, you know, he has his rage and his anger and he gets banished to Earth. But then he just wants to, you know, I just need to be a good guy. Don't have a whole lot of personality. I mean, the fight is against, like, a metal machine at the end. The fight's definitely not great. Uh, Again, Natalie Portman is just, like, I really hope that Kevin Feige and Taika Waititi, like, sat her down and said, like, look, if you're coming back for Love and Thunder... You need to be invested in Mar. You at least need to appear that you give well, a shit. She has shit. a huge part. She's playing like Lady Thor. Like right. you have a huge. But part they I, didn't they like edit her out of Infinity War? Like wasn't she not actually even in it? Even though they had no. The yeah, they yet? edited her her scene in Infinity War or Endgame is edited in from this movie from a deleted scene. Right. So like that's how much she's not involved after yeah it seemed like she just didn't want to be a part right, of it and i think because no one really liked either one of these movies so yeah and again no one liked any of these movies and i think this movie is actually even worse i put this higher on my list i think because it's chris hemsworth for one and who doesn't want to stare at chris hemsworth but but you can do that in two yeah but this is the first time i get to do that and he's like ripped and his arms are out the whole time and he's yelling with long hair and I was just like, okay, I'm just going to sit and drool at this movie. Cool. So I think maybe that's why it's in the middle of my back. 
Wow, way to objectify men. <laughs> okay, anyway. Okay, but the one cool thing I will say this is, I, I forget which Iron, I think it must have been one of the first two Iron Mans, maybe Iron Man 2, I think. The end credit scene of Iron Man 2 was them going out in the desert and then finding yes, Mjolnir. And that and that was just like, oh, like that's that's the like it's happening moment. Yeah. Like we're 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 actually gonna bring all these guys together. There's gonna mm-hmm. be an extended universe. And this is like okay, yeah, this is you, the beginning of the truth. You had right Iron Man and he was the next character we were given. And I think you had the like sarcastic like character that Downey plays. I think they just didn't want to do that again. Like don't make this character the same person, you know? So they were like, he's more serious. He's a God. He's all these things. And it just backfired. Yeah. So, um, if we go to next on our list at 14, I have Spider-Man far from home. And I have this two spots lower on my list, which amazes me because Josh is the Spider-Man person in this household and both of my Spider-Man movies are higher than both of his. So I was a little surprised by that, but I think the second movie isn't as like homey is a weird word, I guess, to use as the first movie, but like, you know, they go to Europe or whatever. There's a lot of funny things. I feel like it's very hard to believe that all these people don't realize he's Spider-Man, but okay. Welcome Jake Gyllenhaal. I do think he is a pretty good bad guy. Um, I do think that um, like seeing the relationship they form really worked well with both of them on screen and everything. I just think the first movie is a lot more like of what I consider to be Spider-Man growing up with the Tobey Maguire movies, which really dates me. But um, I just like the first one a lot better. So this one's just the middle of the pack for me. It really does pain me how low I have the Spider-Man movies on average in my list. I love Spider-Man. Spider-Man, you know, growing up as my number one in the, you know, mar- favorite Marvel character. Spider-Man and Batman were my two favorite superheroes uh, of any superhero. Uh, and I just, they they stuck the, the cast. Tom Holland, mm-hmm. amazing as Spider-Man, no yeah. doubt. I just think these movies have just not lived up to what they could be. And I think this movie is worse than Spider-Man Homecoming. Uh, and my favorite part of this movie is the very, very end when we get the we get the callback to the Tobey Maguire Spider-Man movies. And you get, uh, I, I'm blanking on the actor's name, but it comes back as J. Jonah Jameson. Mm-hmm. Uh, and... It reveals the, that uh, that Tom Holland is in fact Spider Man mm-hmm. uh, to the whole world. Uh, it's just it just felt a little hollow, you know. Again, we're, it's it's might be unfair to this movie because this is the first movie after Endgame. This is the last yep. movie that we've had. You know, you have this amazing finale, this amazing culmination in Endgame, and then it's obviously you're going to have a letdown afterwards. Yeah, I think it was really hard for this movie to not just be kind of depressing, because Spider-Man and Iron Man are so intertwined together throughout the MCU that I just felt like he's obviously a big void in this movie. They talk about him a lot in this movie, and it's hard to not get past that. And you're right. Like, to go from Endgame to this, you kind of had to, like, recenter yourself and realize, okay, this is the end of this phase. We're wrapping this all up together. And then I do think the best part of this is the end credit scene. I totally agree with you. But what does that say about the movie? It says that it's like, not a great movie. Right. Exactly. In Marvel-adjusted terms. Yes, exactly. 
Okay, so above that, at 13, I have Ant-Man and the Wasp. Uh, I have this two spots higher. Okay. So, I mean, I like Ant-Man movies, but I think it's just a like. I really don't love either one of these movies. I do like the introdu- introduction of Wasp. I think she's a great character. I think they play very well off of each other as actors. Um, so, I was excited that the, she got brought into the MCU officially in her costume and everything, but... The shrinking and, like, growing big again thing or whatever, like, that gets old to me really fast. And I know some people really love that, like, that aspect of it. But that's, like, all that they do. And, like, he rides on an ant and they die all the time. And <laughs> Yeah, I mean, I the car chase at the end where, you know, the first movie you had normal-sized people getting really small. Mm-hmm. This one you have people getting really small and you get, you know, the, the Matchbox cars going up and getting really big. Yeah. Like, you have all... You know, that that was a cool fight. Uh, the the Luis recap uh, is just hilarious to me. See, those are the things that, like, you think they're hilarious, and I'm sitting there like, this is obnoxious. So, I like, have I don't a, like that extremely kind of low bar to clear for, for humor in a movie. And again, I'm blanking on the actor's name again. I'm just really bad at this. <laughs> You're uh, fine. But uh, Luis, just put him in more movies. Michael Pena. Michael Pena. <laughs> yes, Michael Pena. Put him in more movies. You're hilarious. Uh, I think, and again, it pains me to say this. I think that, you know, Ant-Man does the small scale thing just as well as Spider-Man does. And I wish that Spider-Man would be noticeably better. Uh, but, you know, this is a nice shift back down. You know, we've had a lot of at this point. Uh, because this comes out after Infinity War. Right, it's in So between. we've had lots of big fights, and this kind of shifts down. It's a small-scale story. That's very funny. I enjoy it quite a bit. And then you have the very critical end credit scene where uh, Paul Rudd goes into the Quantum Realm. Mm-hmm. And then the snap happens, and yep. he gets stranded in the Quantum Realm. Right. Uh, not to return until Yes, Endgame. this movie also brings in Michelle Pfeiffer. Mm-hmm. as the Wasp's mom. They rescue her and bring her in, and she helps the supposed bad guy who is Ghost. I just don't think the bad guy is very good. And then there's, like, another bad guy, really, and it's just kind of like, I don't really like this. No, okay. it's fine. Or it's, whatever. It's, it's a, it's but I think a, it had a mid-tier very, movie. Yeah, and I think it had a hard task following Infinity War. I think that's really hard to do. People just want to see Endgame and see what's going on, and this had nothing to do with that. I think so. this followed, this did a better job following Infinity War than Far From Home did following Endgame. Okay, and speaking of Ant-Man and the Wasp, which is in between, the next movie that also came out in between is the next on my list, which it seems like we both have these right next to each other, Mm -hmm. is Captain Marvel. I really, really wish I could put this movie in, like, my top five because I love Brie Larson. I love her acting. I love her as this character. I think she does an amazing job. I just think this movie was in such a bad place in the MCU, like... For an origin story of a person we haven't met yet who is filming scenes in Infinity War before she's ever even played this character in an actual movie, it's just really hard to ask an actor to do when the script wasn't even written yet. She doesn't even know what this character is going to be like. Like, I just felt like this was a really hard task and they threw a lot at her as far as the scrolls and all of the things that were tied into this and getting her complete backstory and Marvel and all of that kind of stuff and... I think they gave it to you and you got all of it so you know where she's at by the time we get to an Infinity War. But I think it was really hard to get because, you know, this is in the past. So this is in what the 
90s? 90s is what I was going to guess. From the blockbuster. Yeah. I keep talking. I'm going to look it up. So I think it's the 90s. So I think this is set in the 90s and we get all the way from the 90s to like her in the present day by the time we get to Infinity War, which is a movie we had already seen. So like, I just feel like it's really weird. Like, I don't want you to give me that big of a character in a movie that I haven't met yet, if that makes sense. Because she's at the very end of Infinity War, right? Uh, no. She's in Endgame? They, at the very end of Infinity War. Is when they call her. The, they have the okay, beep, so the my, I'm sorry. I misspoke. So she's not actually in Infinity War. But so you are, introduced to her, and then she's right into Endgame. But you are correct, though, in that they filmed Infinity War in Endgame back right, to back. Right, she had filmed that before mm-hmm. she even filmed this movie. So right. I just don't think she really know what she was being asked of for this character. And as, like, you know, the first and only completely female-led superhero and movie, I think that's a big task. And you're always going to have, you know, the people that are like, oh, she doesn't smile enough. She's not likable. She's not this. She's not that. Or I say all of you to you, fuck off. But, you know, just because she's a female doesn't mean she has to be, in quotes, likable. People wouldn't necessarily call me likable. So. <laughs> I'm just going to sit here and say that at this point. So uh. you're allowed to have your own opinion, but... You know, I, I like this movie. I do really like this movie. I think it did what it needed to do for the place it was put in. And so it's in the middle of the pack for me. I think we have this movie higher than a lot of people. And and I like this movie. Like, I don't feel the need to defend it. Like, I think it's really good. Um, I This movie did the period piece way better than Wonder Woman 1984 did for me. Mm-hmm. Like, you get the blockbuster you get all the technology, you know, the Radio Shack, your references and all of that or whatever. And it was good. Like, you didn't have to struggle to put, put this in the main timeline. You got to do an origin story. It had been a while since we had actually done a true mm-hmm. origin story for, completely... a, for a character that a lot of people aren't really familiar with. Right. Uh, you know, somebody who's obviously has a lot of history in the comics, but otherwise probably not a whole lot of history for most people. Um, Samuel L. Jackson de-aged in this movie as Nick Fury. And their relationship is great. Oh, and a wonderful kind of buddy cop type mm-hmm. deal in this movie. And I think if you have her in Infinity War, she's just too powerful. It doesn't work. You know what I mean? If she's in Infinity War and she has all of her powers, yeah, well, let's get to that. And we'll get to that. Remember to talk about that in Endgame because I do have more of an issue. Okay. In Endgame, uh, but for this movie, I think this movie is really fun. You get, you know, the introduction of the scrolls in this movie. And, you know, there's some secret war potential down the line. And it's a TV show we're getting, right? I believe it's a, it's a, there's going to be a TV show. Again, you know, in the comics, these, these are often bad guys. And they, you know, they can appear to be pretty much anybody. So, you know, we yeah. have in later movies some characters who, you know. And WandaVision have, tied that have in taken again. The, taken the shape of scrolls and whatnot. So lots of possibilities with that. Uh, you know, Jude Law is just kind of a douchebag who doesn't really, isn't really a strong villain in this movie. There are, Marvel, like, like DC and like lots of superhero type deals has an issue with bad guys. Mm-hmm. And Jude Law is another example of that. Um, but I think this is a great movie. I, I really don't, you know, feel the need to defend it. Okay. And then above Captain Marvel at 11, I have Captain America, the first Avenger. Okay, so this is my, maybe my <laughs> hottest take. Uh, I have this as 19 on my list. Well, you need to explain. 19. I just don't, I I am probably 
too hard all for all of the Captain America movies on my list. Uh, you know, we still got two more to, to go through. Um, I just don't... I like my characters, uh, my superheroes, to be flawed, to be, you know, not just the do-good, goody-two-shoes, perfect guy that, that Captain America really is. And, and then overall, if I go back and I look at my list, I noticed this when I was drafting it. I'm always unnecessarily hard on the first movies in series. The longer something goes and it's good and I like it, the more invested I am in the characters and in the story. Uh, and this is one of those very first movies for a character who, you know, obviously Chris Evans is, is a great Captain America. And again, this is all on Marvel adjusted terms, but he's, you know, bottom end on my list of favorite superheroes that show up in the MCU. Wow, really? Uh, just as a, as a superhero. Not as an actor, not as a performance, but just as a superhero. I mean, he's just a dude that's on just steroids. Captain America. He's just yeah. a dude that's on steroids with a shield. Like, that, but he looks good. Well, that, <laughs> that, I, that has no bearing for me. <laughs> besides Benedict Cumberbatch. So, <laughs> Who's um, not ripped at all. <laughs> no, but he's dashing. Um, so, I, this is a super hot take by me. I realize that I'm going to be in the minority. It's just this movie doesn't do it for me, and it's way down on my list. Yeah, I mean, I think it's my least favorite Captain America movie. I, I think it has a hard task of being, like, the first one, like you said, and it has to give you the backstory and all that kind of stuff. So his backstory is not really that, like, great either. I feel like it's kind of hard to, like, really be captivated by that. So... I mean, I agree with you to a point, but I just think the tier of the script and him playing Captain America, he plays it so well that I think it's a little high, definitely higher for me. So above that, I go to the first Avengers movie. I have this five spots lower than you. And again, this goes back to first, mm -hmm. just getting it ranked lower. However, to this movie's credit, and again, you know, you have recency bias, uh, I would say it probably in both of our lists. Maybe, maybe I not. I don't think so. But it is kind of, you know, slanted more towards the movies that are towards the end of the scale. But when this movie came out, I have never seen a movie theater parking lot like I did when you and I were living in Wisconsin and we went to go see this movie on opening weekend. It was packed. Packed all the way to the very outer reaches of the parking lot. And this movie theater was giant and it mm -hmm. had a giant parking lot. Uh, and, you know, to say, you know, finally, we're in nerd heaven. Like, we've had these individual movies now. I think we've officially become nerds. I mean, I've always been one and I just converted you to the dark side. So, <laughs> uh, the MCU does it correct, right? Each of these characters has their own individual Besides movie. Black Widow and Hawkeye. You take your time yeah. and then now you lead into this, this group up, this team up movie. Mm -hmm. And it's amazing. Yeah. And at the time, it's just amazing. Um, again, I, I rate this a little lower just because you still have Straight Lace Store at this point. Mm -hmm. Captain America, I've said, is a little lower. Robert Downey Jr. is amazing. One of my favorite scenes in the entire MCU is when uh, Loki is is outside lecturing the crowd. Mm -hmm. And uh, Captain America is kind of struggling uh, fighting him. And Black Widow's up in her you know, in her airplane, whatever. Mm -hmm. And uh, Iron Man comes in with a shoot to thrill cue and hits him and, and comes in. Surprise, and you, have, you love the music cue. And uh, and you have Cap and, and 
and Iron Man standing next to each other, you feel a little bit of the tension already right mm-hmm. there. As where Cap's just gotten his ass kicked a little bit, Iron Man comes in and kind of wipes him up. This is a great movie. Again, this is all over and over, Marvel-adjusted uh, rating. Uh, but it, it's early on, we get more invested in the characters. Yeah, That's why I and have I would say mine is higher for the simple reasons that a lot like my son, I am in love with Loki. Loki's my favorite bad guy probably in the MCU. This is a primarily Loki movie. And I think Tom Hiddleston is just a fucking amazing. I don't even know how else to say it. Like, he just plays the character so fucking well that I am amazed <laughs> at it every time I watch and play it. So, and I think one of, it has one of my favorite scenes ever in any MCU movie, which is where the Hulk just, like, thrashes him around, which <laughs> also has a callback in a later movie we'll talk about. Um, but I, like, I die laughing every time I see that. And I just think it's great. Like, I love how they really took the time to still give you pieces for each one of the characters. Because I think we were all kind of worried that wasn't going to happen. And it was just mainly Mm going to be Cap and Iron Man. And to see them be able to do it, what is now this smaller scale, to be, do it on a way bigger scale coming down the road. So, I really like this movie. I think it stays... Um, top tier for me, and it's at number 10. All right, for number nine, I have Guardians of the Galaxy. And yours is a bit higher than mine. I think, what, like three or four spots? So, you must have changed this because I have your next movie as Spider-Man Homecoming, and that's fine. Oh, I'm sorry. You know, you're correct. I just, I jumped it. You're correct. I'm sorry. So, at number nine is Spider-Man Homecoming. Which I have this just one spot below, and really, so in my list... This this movie in the first Iron Man, I flip back and forth a couple times. Oh, okay. Um, and so they're they're really it's like one A and one B when it comes to the selection. Uh, so we're pretty much right on target. Uh, we we already talked a bit about Spider Man. I mm-hmm. think this movie is better than the second one. I think uh, the bad guy's way better in this. I one. think Vulture uh, Michael Keaton is a phenomenal Vulture, mm-hmm. and really like love that they're probably bringing him back. Sinister yes. Six, possibly. Um, Love and that. the reveal in the middle of this movie that he was... In the car, you mean? Or, like, at the house? Yeah, when when Tom yeah. Holland goes up uh, to his date's house. Mm-hmm. Am I, the, I'm blanking on what, what her name was in the... Oh, I don't know either. In the show. But uh, he goes up there for prom or whatever, and the door opens, and we realize that her father is Michael Keaton, is the vulture. Yeah. Like, it should have probably been obvious, but I was like... Oh, I totally didn't know that. In the theater, I was like... (gasps) Yeah. uh, That was a great reveal. I think he's a very compelling bad guy. I think he is uh, definitely in the top half, top third of Marvel villains. Mm -hmm. For sure. For sure. I... You know, you get the the Iron Man, Spider-Man stuff in this movie. Um, I I don't like the, the mechanized Iron Man spider suits or whatever i'm not saying i like the like pajama look that he has oh you don't like that spider suit no i just i think spider-man's always been kind of you know yes he's he's a smart he's a smart guy but he's always been kind of like doing the most with the least Mm -hmm. and the fact that he gets this ridiculous suit from tony uh just doesn't really fit like my perfect version of spider-man or whatever tom holland we've we're introduced to him in a movie that's higher up on our list so Mm -hmm. we know that he's spider-man already yeah um Marissa Tomei as just a smoking hot Aunt May. I'll give her that. Um, this is a very fun movie. I, 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 
I wanted to put it higher, and I really just couldn't justify it. I think it's where it. it belongs. Like, I really uh, do. But again, this is a really good movie, and uh, I enjoy watching it quite a bit. Me too. And as I said uh, previously, that then going to the next movie is Guardians of the Galaxy. And I have this higher than you by three spots. Uh, that movie comes in at number five for me. Uh, this, the thing I want to say before I let you dive in, is this is when in the run that I knew that Marvel could do whatever the hell they wanted to do, and it was just going to be a blockbuster. It was just going to be insane. Because you, if you want to talk about low tier Marvel comic book characters, like Guardians of the Galaxy just personifies that. Like sure. you have this random collection of people. I don't uh, even no. think it's necessarily these people. And it's not even the version right, of it. Exactly. It's not even necessarily the same characters as what's in the comics. Um, you know, you have Chris Pratt and the Chris Wars come in to kind of anchor this movie. You have a random collection of people. And it, it just, it was hilarious. It was amazing. Like, the soundtrack is so memorable, and they weave that into the movie. Mm-hmm. It's hilarious. So much good comedy in this movie. Um, and you get characters that are important to the series overall. You get a second one of these movies. Everybody's very excited for the the next Guardians movie. They'll probably have some Thor in it uh, based mm-hmm. on how Endgame ended. Uh, this movie was different. We're out in space. It's not an Earth-centric movie. Um, and it just was a home run. It was great. And yeah. this is where you, you, know, you can say, okay, they could literally, you know, I would normally be nervous that our next slate of Marvel movies after Black Widow is going to be The Eternals and, and Shang-Chi. I mean, I'm a little nervous. I'm not going to lie. It's all brand new stuff. But I'm less nervous because they were able to do take Guardians of the Galaxy and make it phenomenal. Yeah, I mean, I think this movie is just also kind of like we talked earlier about WandaVision. It's just something completely different. It's like the team-up movie, but not Avengers. Mm-hmm. So it was kind of tricky to be like, is that, that can't be like as top tier as Avengers and Loki taking over New York, but it's still a team-up movie and you kind of have to play with all these people. And then James Gunn is just such a compelling writer to me that like the comedy in it and everything is just so on point. And then to get two big name people like Vin Diesel and Bradley Cooper to I mean, Vin Diesel literally says, I am Groot. That is all he says and probably brings (laughs) home a really big check from Marvel. And he agreed to do that. And then Bradley Cooper, you never see his face ever because he plays a raccoon. Like, (laughs) and he plays it really well because Rocket's one of my favorite characters. Like, he's a great character. This movie makes it emotional. When an alien tree sacrifices himself. Right. Like, <laughs> it's like that if means you could a do lot. That, yeah. Like, yeah. And I think, like, the color palette and the soundtrack is just, like, top-tier Marvel. And it, nothing beats it for that, particularly. I'll give it that. So you have this great intro to this movie. And they call back to it in Endgame. And they're making fun <laughs> of Star-Lord Chris Pratt. It's yeah. just great. It's mm-hmm. just this. This is so good. All right, and then above that at seven, I have Captain America Winter Soldier. Um, I have this just one spot lower at eight, which feels low. <laughs> oh, I'm only one spot higher, so I probably is. I think people really, really like this movie. I think you either like love this movie or you love Civil War. Like, I feel like maybe it's one or the other because you like the like uh, Captain America like more solo movie or you like the like team up movies. 
I like this movie. Don't get me wrong. This is definitely in my top 10. I really like this movie. I love that we get introduced to Bucky. I think he's a great character. You know, I love who doesn't love the bad guy that becomes the good guy kind of thing. And the relationship and everything is great. I'm kind of seeing how that evolves. That's all good. You get Black Widow and all. she's in this movie, right? Mm -hmm. Yeah, you get her in this movie and all that kind of stuff. So like, um, I think that all like helps it out. And I think it's definitely one of the um best trilogies it's one of the best trilogies in marvel and i mean we haven't got the third guardians or anything yet but i think it's much better than the iron man trilogy and i really like this movie so it's at number seven for me the only thing i'm going to add is that again this feels low because this is an exceptional action movie like this the the fights the fights in this like this is basically a straight up like spy kind of dystopian like what would the government you know what would happen if the government has all the information about you and surveillance state type deal Mm -hmm. Uh, but there's just so much action in this movie it is perfectly executed and it's very enjoyable i have no bad things to say we are now in you know our top tens you know we're in our seven eight range all these movies for me are unassailable yeah like we're we're picking nits uh to rank them in a specific order um you know, these are all exceptional. Yes, I would totally agree. And above that, at six, I have the first Iron Man. Um, I have this three spots lower. And again, I, you know, I, this is a this is probably me being too hard on the original movies again. Uh, because this started it all. Mm-hmm. And what else do you say besides that? We've talked about Iron Man. Downey plays it amazingly. It kicked off the entire thing. Like... You just, it, this doesn't happen without him. Um, and Mar- that's Marvel taking a big swing just to start it off. Because who is Downey before Iron Man? Downey is an alcoholic. Downey is not someone a lot of people want to work with. Downey's not in movies I want to show my children. So, like, you take a big swing with Robert Downey Jr. And you say, hey, we want you to be our Iron Man. And then, hey, this worked. And we're going to build an entire cinematic universe around you. And... He did an amazing job at it and made a lot of fucking money along the way. <laughs> yeah, let's let's uh, take our hats off right now to Robert Downey Jr. for negotiating <laughs> a percentage of the movies yeah. that he's in. Uh, maybe knowing, maybe not knowing that these would become you know, the biggest movies uh, in cinematic history. Uh, you get Endgame, finally calls up to that number one spot, passes Titanic. Which you've never seen. Shh. <sighs> This is the most essential casting. This Absolutely. Is, this is far and away number one. He carries long stretches of these 23 movies. Mm-hmm. Um, just an exceptional beginning to an exceptional series. I am Iron Man. <laughs> All right. And above that, uh, I have Captain America Civil War. I have this two spots lower. That's low, bro. It's low. And... It's unfair of me to say this, but it is bullshit to say that Captain the Captain America trilogy is so good because this is not a Captain America movie. This is an Avengers movie that calls itself a Captain America movie. Okay, but still it's, technically called the Captain America movie. So, so if it was called Iron Man Civil War, no, it should just be called Avengers Civil War. Is the correct <laughs> title? Is the okay. correct title for this movie? Okay, all right, I'll give you that. You're probably not wrong, actually. I mean, 
And that, okay, so you're just going to hate on it because it's titled incorrectly? Yeah. I, again, <laughs> I had the, we had to put these in an order. I know, right? And it's so, so difficult. And so I'm using anything that I can. The thing that I will say, we did a rewatch of this. And I feel like this movie, pardon my French, blows its load at the airport fight scene. And other than that, yes, you get introductions to Black Panther and Spider-Man. Mm-hmm. Both of them exceptional. You get the fight scene between Iron Man versus Captain America and the Winter Soldier at the end. Mm-hmm. But I feel like a lots of this movie kind of like it, it's those couple things and then a whole lot of just kind of putzing around and, and not because that great. Because it's not an Avengers movie. It's a Captain America movie. <laughs> I mean, probably unnecessarily hard on this movie. This movie is great. I think this movie is amazing. So this movie is my number five. And at number four, I have Endgame. I have this just one spot above you. That's number three on my list. I mean, I don't really know how much we need to dive into Endgame, but your ability, I mean, we're going to talk about this basically over again with, I think, our, you know, our top tier, top two movies, but they did such an amazing job of just, like, wrapping the story up 23 movies in. I just, I don't, I don't know how you do this better. Like I literally, for the first time, I'm an avid movie goer. I have loved movies my whole life. I go to the movies all the time. This is one of the first experiences I have ever sat in a movie theater. And the movie theater is electric. Like, and when I say electric, like literally electric. I've never felt that in a movie theater before. And everyone is so excited. All the little like Easter egg moments, all the little like, Cat picking up the hammer, all that kind of stuff, like Avengers Assemble. Like, people are screaming in the middle of a movie, and that's just crazy to me, and it was so much fun. I will never forget the first time I saw this in the theater. It was an amazing experiment experience, and I, and I think, like, obviously, the good guys win in the end, but also, my favorite character dies, so that part kind of brings it down for a little bit for me. And I do think uh, the movies that I have above this are just a top, a bigger tier for different reasons than this movie. So this movie is amazing, and there are no qualms of the fact that it's number four. I just had to put it somewhere in the list. I have never had a better movie theater experience. A more memorable experience. Just as you said, when we went to see Endgame. And again, those two moments, right? Mm-hmm. When Captain America is worthy enough to summon Mjolnir to him and 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 kicks Thanos' ass for seconds and he has Thor, you know, chiming in, I knew it before <laughs> yeah. before Thanos, you know, knocks him out of the fight for a bit or whatever. And then when Captain America finally says Avengers assemble, like this is just the culmination of you know, this is the point where you're back. You're back in fifth, sixth grade, and you're this huge nerd. And it's just not at this point. It's not popular culture yet. It's this niche thing mm-hmm. that's not cool to talk about. That you know some people like, but it's not something you, you widespread talk about. People look down their nose at it, and to say, okay, we've gone this far. We stuck the landing again. How many things have not stuck the landing as far as GOT. Game of Thrones, the end, this latest Star Wars trilogy, 
Lost. Um, you you can screw up the ending and leave such a bad taste in people's mouth that you kind of sour the whole experience. And then this hit was the absolute pinnacle of just you know you can say it was maybe a little too fan servicey like it was just where all the things that are fans want to see. movies in that's all we were dying for. At and, that point, you gotta got give it. it to us. And we, yeah, and we got it. Absolutely so, amazing. There's nothing else to say about this. This was just such a wonderful experience. Okay, and then we just have the next one flip-flopped. So my next movie is Black Panther. Right, and I have this at number four. So this movie, obviously, for so many reasons, was just epic for Marvel. Um, You bring in an entirely African-American cast and an African-American director. And, you know, I think it just did such a good job of really showing you that African-American people can lead a movie and a big movie at that and they should be able to do that more often and I think that so many people went and seen this for so many different reasons and Chadwick Boseman rest in peace he's amazing in this movie he's a great and amazing Black Panther I am so glad to hear that we're not recasting him as of right now for anything that is the correct decision yes and I was just blown away by this movie. Like, they just do so well with the set design and him and Suri's relationship and, you know, his mom and all the things that go on in this movie I just thought were gripping. And I think as an origin story, it doesn't feel like an origin story. Mm -hmm. Like, it doesn't feel like you're dragging me through all this muck to get me to the end of this movie to see what happens. Like... Um, I think it's just like Spider-Man. We, we get him already in civil war, right? You get a taste of him. You don't get any really information about him other than you meet his dad, but who ends up dying. And then you get the real dose of him in this movie. And I mean, and then to add in that you have Michael B. Jordan as the bad guy. I mean, okay, sure. I'm totally down for that. Um, I really wish he would still be in this MCU and maybe the multiverse will bring him back somehow, but I think he was amazing as Killmonger. I loved him. He's a great bad guy. I think this is one where you hit the nail on the head with the bad guy. Good job, Marvel, finally. And um, I couldn't look away from this movie. It's great. It's fantastic. Every time I watch it, you notice something new, and there's bits of funny in this. I think it was great. Um, This movie was groundbreaking for all the reasons you already said. It grossed more than a billion dollars. Hollywood, wake the fuck up. Absolutely. Um, And... Not one, but two, in my opinion, very good bad guys. Because I, again, Claw, Claw comes back and is in the first part of this movie. Mm-hmm. Um, the South Korea car chase scene in this movie. When, when, <laughs> great. when Claw is like, this isn't a funeral, turn some music on. <laughs> like, is, is just a great Marvel uh, mm-hmm. action sequence. Uh, and you, I love that they just give you, like, the token white guy. Like, that just says so much, because in so many movies, you get that in the opposite right, way. Here's your here's your dad joke of the pod. Are you serious? Who are the two white characters in this movie? Um, they are they, Andy Serkis. And the agent, yeah. And Martin Freeman. Yeah. The, those characters respectively play Gollum and Bilbo Baggins in Lord of the Rings and The Hobbit. And so they're the Tolkien white guys. Okay. <laughs> Moving on. Um, anyway, what you get, we get to go to Wakanda. Wakanda is amazing. Just yes. absolutely one of the most mm-hmm. beautiful things on on a movie screen that you'll ever see. Absolutely. Um, 
M'Baku is just hilarious. Yes. Oh my gosh. Um, just this, like, I thought this was a combination of recency bias and Chadwick Boseman dying and wanting to love this movie more. And we went back and we watched this movie. And this movie is just brilliant. It's, and you're going to get a Ryan Coogler Wakanda show because people just will watch whatever the hell is mm-hmm. going on in Wakanda. Like, it's interesting. People want to see that. I want to see you raise your rhinos. Sure. That sounds cool. I'll watch that. Whatever. So, you know, give me anything you want to give me with um, Wakanda. And I'm interested to see what we get of Black Panther 2 and who kind of takes the reins. Okay. So, real quick before you give her next movie, I would say for me, I don't know how you feel. I would say my highest tier of Marvel movie is four. Is There's four movies. We've talked about yes. you and I both have Endgame and Black Panther in a different order. Mm-hmm. We have a different order for our last two movies. Mm-hmm. Um, but these four movies, I would say, are cut above the rest. Yes. And if you want to interchange any four of these four movies, you're probably 100% fair to do so. Okay. So give your number two. My number two is Thor Ragnarok. And I have this as my number one. So I would say... We finally get Chris Hemsworth in what Chris Hemsworth was meant to do is be funny and all of those things that come with it. We get Loki back and we get Mark Ruffalo and we get introduced to Valkyrie and it's just like this movie is hilarious. Like there's so much about this movie I love from the opening scene of him and Surtur, him twirling around in the cage, you know, give me a minute, I'll come back around kind of thing and um all that kind of stuff like in in him and loki's like relationship and all of that is dulled into again in this movie and i just think the soundtrack in this movie is pretty good too that's not um off par and i i do really like um a lot of the ancillary characters in this movie i mean the grandmaster i think is hilarious as well it's great so and so many like memeable lines so many memorable lines that it's great, and it's definitely my favorite solo movie of them MCU right now. Uh, the same goes for me, based on my ranking, is my number one movie. Thor is basically like a reverse Samson in the Bible. In the Bible, the, the longer Samson's hair is, the more powerful he becomes. In this movie, they cut Thor's hair, and he becomes funny. He becomes... <laughs> You know, the lead of what is widely considered, you know, if not number one in the top two and in the top three uh, best MCU movies. I I don't have, I can't say, you didn't even mention Kate Blanchett as Hella in this movie. I did not. Who I think is a top tier bad guy. Um, oh, yes. No, don't make that face. I think she's great. I as think a, she's a middle tier bad guy. I think she's a, a top tier bad guy. Another, another Lord of the Rings character, by the way. Yeah. She plays Galadriel. Um, anyways, um, the Doctor Strange cameo in the beginning of this movie, when they're looking for uh, Anthony Hopkins as Odin, just everything, everything about this movie. The Immigrant Song at the end, which I'm sure you don't know, is Led Zeppelin. Um, You've told me many times. Everything about this movie is great. Like, I, I can't even think of a bad thing to say about this movie. And I think of it, all I think of is just like different funny lines that come from this movie. I don't know how you don't like this movie. This movie is 100% enjoyable. He's a friend from work. <laughs> yeah. Um, or like him and the Hulk's like relationship where he's like, the sun's going down like a hundred times in the uh, movie. Like, yeah. I just can't. Like, it's, Hulk is big burning fire. <laughs> Thor's so, little fire. It's 
so good. So yes, that's why it's my top ranked solo movie. And the number one on my list, number two on yours is Infinity War. This was just historical in the fact that they, they took something with as many characters, uh, you know, as much history in the you know previous 20, 19, 20 or so movies. Everybody got screen time. And, and you you know, consciously, if I thought about it, I knew that this movie had to end. We knew it was two parts. Mm-hmm. And we knew that Thanos was... was we didn't know where it was going to end. We didn't know where it was going to end, but we kind of thought that something bad was going to happen mm-hmm. um, with the fact that there were two movies and whatnot. But I was still just like... I left Infinity War shell-shocked from the end of the movie. Yeah, because I think going in, like... Big MCU people know, hey, like, none of these people, probably most of these people aren't going to stay dead, but you still, in the theater, are, like, heartbroken that all of these people have, like, disappeared. And right. Nothing is, more so than Iron Man and Spider-Man Exactly. At like, you know, and even in, then in Endgame, when he tells Cap, I lost the kid, like, that's heartbreaking. Like, that's awful. And... I mean, this movie is just like, oh, God, there's so many things, there's so many quotes, like, you're embarrassing me in front of the wizards. <laughs> like, I just like, Earth is closed today. Like, there's just so many good moments in this, and they intertwine everyone so well that I think they had so many more people to put into this movie past the first two Avengers movies, and after Ultron really wasn't beloved by a lot of um fans i think they really had a tall task trying to do this and they just did it epically i mean who would think that you would go into uh, an avengers movie and you don't see captain america for like the first 40 minutes Mm -hmm. but when he did that's another one of those yeah that's one of those cheering moments when wanda and vision are fighting Mm -hmm. uh the children of thanos yes and it's looking bad for them and then you hear the Captain America music, mm-hmm. and you see that dark figure on the other side of the train tracks, and the theater erupted. Yeah. And he's in like a black suit, and, he, and and he's got the full beard, yeah, you know, going on yes. and whatnot or whatever. Um, just I, 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 this again, this could have been number one for me easily. Um, I think I do think it is a, a strictly better movie than Endgame was. I think it's more impactful. Mm-hmm. I think it's, you know, I love mission movies and collecting things, mm-hmm. like storylines. Yeah. Uh, and so, Th- and again, you t- you have so much pressure. You've hinted at Thanos. He's been in end credit scenes. He says, fine, I'll do it myself. Mm-hmm. You have so much pressure. You've had a ton of bad, bad guys. Mm-hmm. And for to have the big bad be just an amazing character. So good. Uh, from a bad guy perspective, you know, just right from the get go, mm-hmm. this starts yeah. with him, you know, toying with the Hulk and killing know, Loki, like killing Loki, literally killing Heimdall, Loki. Yeah. defeating Thor, leaving him mm-hmm. to die. Yep. You know, Hulk just barely getting out, uh, because of Heimdall. Like, yeah, I mean, you get to the end of this movie, and not only does the other uh, what we're calling the blip now, the blip happen, but you've lost Gamora, Heimdall. And Loki, 
what you think and is vision. and vision what you think is permanently mm-hmm. and some of those are permanent mm-hmm. like that's a big deal to say hey like we killed off all these characters that hadn't been done yet we hadn't killed off anyone yet so you know i think that was really hard and i think it had such a bigger task than endgame only in the sense that in endgame so many of the characters don't come back until the last fight right so you have so many more people that you have to intertwine into this movie and figure out how you're going to do that. And like I said, Captain America not coming in until 40 minutes in, you'd think people would be like rioting. Like, what the hell is happening in this movie? But no, you're 100% engrossed. You're then completely excited when he shows up. And it just keeps going. It just keeps building on itself. And, you know, and like we said earlier with Wanda and Vision, like these are two characters that we don't necessarily care about yet, mm-hmm. but he plays a really big part in the end of this. And he, that's the last stone that, you know, Thanos needs to get. And their relationship is a big part of that. And, and like, you know, them trying to save him saying that even though he's not what we would call a real person, he's important enough to try to save his life. And they go to Wakanda to do so and all of that kind of stuff. And Wanda wants to defend him and all of that kind of stuff. And you see everyone come together and then, you know, you know, Wakanda's going to show what it can do and how it can defend and all these, um, what would you call, what do you call the animals that come from like the ships or whatever? I don't even know. Just the outriders Yeah, I don't even know what those are called and how they're attacking and everything and then how everyone is like flying around and helping each other and Thor showing up with like the lightning Mm -hmm. and everything. It's just fucking amazing. Like all day I would watch this movie a hundred times. This movie is great and definitely my number one. No arguments for me there easily could have been my number one movie. We've gone quite a bit. I just want to leave you with a couple of things. Uh, So we just, you know, limited this strictly to true canon movies. Mm -hmm. I want to ask you two questions. Okay. Where would you put Spider-Man into the Spider-Verse on your list? Okay, you're not going to like this answer, but I would probably put him around 11 or put that movie around 11 or 12. Okay, I mean, that's higher than I might have guessed for you. So, this is uh, for the people who haven't seen this movie, because again, it's not officially part of Canaan. It is an animated movie. Um, This is, for me, I would put this movie... Above the other two? Certainly, it is my favorite Spider-Man movie that has ever been made. I would put this... Get the fuck out of here. Ever been made? Yes, ever been made. Clearly. I would put this probably... Above Civil War, below Doctor Strange, maybe. Uh, Doctor Strange. Somewhere somewhere in that range, in my, you know, kind of 7-8 range, somewhere in there. Okay. Um, Miles Morales, Peter Parker, you got the multiverse kind of element. Yeah, I really would like to see Miles Morales in an actual film. Uh, Comes in, I just think that is the best Spider-Man movie. And if you have not seen Into the Spider-Verse, you are missing out. Go see this movie. It is very good. Yes. Okay. So, the bigger question. Oh, we gosh. just finished WandaVision. Mm-hmm. Where would you put WandaVision? Whew. I think I would put WandaVision above, right outside my top five. I'll say that. I don't know an exact number, but probably right outside my top five. Okay. I would probably go lower. I would probably go somewhere in the, like, 9, 10, 11 range. Okay. Uh, still pretty high. Yeah. Um, but definitely, there's a lot of movies that I'm still going to take take over it. But again, it's a, if you would have told me before the series started that it was going to be somewhere in my you know top 10, top 12 range, 
I would have been no no way in the world. Right, because I think just by the trailer, you're looking at it, and you're like, what is even happening in the show? Like, I'm just so confused. So, yeah, but I think, like you've said, I think it's impactful. I think it makes me really like and be invested in these two characters. So, and I think they're going to have a bigger part going forward. So I think that's going to make it higher on my list, that it's going to have more importance going forward. All right, so I think that's going to bring us to the end of this episode. Yeah, I just want to say some final thoughts that we were lucky enough to live in the history of the world where the MCU was a thing. Um, really, this has been one of the most iconic pop cultural things. Uh, some things that have brought real uh, meaning and value uh, into you know the hobbies and interests that I have, and I just love the fact that you yeah, that I that I watch these movies and I'm kind of brought you along and then you are just as much of a Marvel fan I feel like as I am now uh, that we can share this with our children uh, and our son who loves these movies probably knows more about this than you and I combined yeah because he's watching he's watching cartoons he's playing video games he's- yeah like he has all the extra stuff that we- he'll bring up like bring up somebody who's got all the like character books I'll be like did you know this person does this I'm like who is that I don't even know who you're talking about so yes I have not even come close to hitting saturation point. Just, just if if they're going to be done at this high of a level from a quality perspective, just a couple, you know, two movies every year. You can get more than two. Uh, yeah, I mean, we got this. We got this COVID backlog now. I feel like this year, I think we're at four. Right? Um, we talked about that I mean, earlier. We'll see. <laughs> well, yeah, bearing COVID. Uh, but yeah, just wonderful. Completely agree. All right. Well, thanks everybody for listening. This has been another episode of Buckeye Dads Discuss, and we'll talk to you guys later. Buckeye Dads Discuss is a podcast hosted by Andy and Josh. It's edited by April. You can find us on social media at Buckeye Dads on Twitter, and you can email the show at Buckeye Dads Discuss at gmail.com.